0: Starting in verse 21, we're going to read all the way to verse 34. Now, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a the leader of the local synagogues, whose name was Jairus, arrived. <clears throat> when, Jesus, when, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My daughter, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. And heal her so she can live. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him and all the people followed him, crowding around and pressing him. It was so crowded. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. And yet, instead, she was not getting better, but she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd. And touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, bleeding had stopped and she felt her body and she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized power has gone out from him, he turned around and asked the crowd, who touched my clothes? Now, this is Peter saying, you see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered. And yet you still ask me who touched me? It's funny. But Jesus kept looking around to see what had it, who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, a couple things we want to just kind of unpack here. There's a lot of things. If you just Read through each of the synoptic Gospels; you may gloss over it, because the way the authors wrote this, um, in a ways to invite you to dig deeper in each of the verses that are presented here. In Matthew, it's a little shorter, and Luke, he's a doctor, so he kind of gives a little bit more detail. and And Mark shows it in a different way; that's kind of uh, evangelistic. And the reason why he said it in a certain way, but they all have a certain theme. So we're going to unpack some of these things and ask some certain questions, like what's the cultural significance of the bleeding woman? All right. why, why, why would these authors go out of their way to say what's the importance of healing a bleeding woman? And why was the woman so determined to touch Jesus? And what is the connection between Jesus and the hem of his garment? Why did, why was this, why, is there a connection there between his clothes and her touching it? What's the connection here between Jesus and his clothes? Lastly, why would Jesus ask who touched me? It's the title of our sermon. We're going to, ask, we're going to answer those questions today. Hopefully, you get to look back at the sermon, maybe go back into small groups or at home and look at them and look at them more deeply. Okay? So, what's the cultural significance of the bleeding woman? Now, see, so if you look at sort of what she's going through why would a woman be bleeding, right? She's she's suffering, and I was trying to look and figure out what that meant, and I researched. I'm like, okay, let's could she possibly be bleeding for years? So the things that came up were hemorrhaging. Hemorrhaging is bleeding. Uh, there are certain diseases. Uh, okay, let's go verse 25. we got a slide put up here. And a woman who has been there subject to bleeding for 12 years, and go to the next slide, there are type of blood illnesses, there's hemophilia, there's illnesses like uh, anemia, HIV, leukemia, vitamin K deficiency, but there's one in particular I looked up, and I'm not sure if she was going through this. Some commentary is saying she had some urine thing, but uh, I found out that it's Von Willebrand disease, a lifelong bleeding disorder, which in your blood doesn't clot properly. So when she goes through her menstrual period, it goes through heavy bleeding, and it's constantly bleeding. Or she, she gets caught, or she goes to the dentist. I don't know if they had dentists back then. But there, she's bleeding a lot when, you know. Um, and whatever, she's bleeding excessively. And what's the significance of Why am I talking about bleeding so much? Right? <laughs> so the next slide, the cultural context. If you are a woman in that era of the Jewish culture, in the law, it states in Leviticus and let 's see if we have it here uh, god 's people, okay, so this is just a, a commentary. I looked at Michael Raaldek 's commentary. if you guys if you guys get a chance, buy a commentary. It helps you give you insight on what uh, the scripture is saying so uh, this says god 's people are distinguishing themselves as unique people in the ways in which they seek to honor God with their stewardship of their bodies so there 's list of laws about how to make your body pure before God. Because in that era, there are a nations and other people who were being defiling themselves and being unholy with their bodies, with prostituting themselves and, and orgies and things like that. So God said, these sets of things you follow so that you're pure before me. So you're set apart. You're unique. You're different. You're not like all the others. You're a people who's chosen for me so that You represent the glory of God. So, one of the things that was in there in the next slide, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. That's her. That's a woman, a bleeding woman. So, try to put yourself in her shoes. She is a woman who's suffering from this bleeding disorder, and so there are consequences for that. They're treating her as a person who's uh, like a leprosy. She has some type of—OK, okay, so here's the context. If you touch her, you also become unclean. If you read through Leviticus, you read all through it. Because she's unclean, everything she touches is unclean. There's so many laws. If she sits down on a chair, that chair is unclean. If you, she wears those clothes, those clothes are unclean. It's so serious. God's holiness, God's purity is so severe that it says, okay, how is she going to be unclean then? I mean, how is she going to become clean afterwards? It says, okay, you have to take a bath. And all these certain rituals. So when she's walking around in modern day Jesus' day, she's known as the woman that, who known as don't touch her. She's unclean. There are spiritual consequences to that. There are social consequences. She feels alone. She feels ashamed of herself. She feels worthless. She feels empty. For 12 years of suffering, so I guess, so women or young girls, they usually get their menstrual period around 12 years old. So I guess she's about 24 years old. So she started at 12, and then she's been suffering for those 12 years. She's around her mid-20s, so to speak, right? So she's known around the community as a person who's unclean. And she cannot be touched. So, isn't that kind of odd that she wants to touch Jesus, a high priest supposedly walking around? So, let's go to verse. What slide are we on? Slide six, Luke eight forty three. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any way. And go go to verse twenty six of Matt Mark. Same thing, but it's a mark. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. yet had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. Wow, she she's doing whatever she took to get healed. Isn't that that's sad, in my opinion? And the community has outcasted her. She was so determined. If I could just touch Jesus, go to verse uh, twenty-eight. So she's thinking, man, if I could just touch Jesus, I could be healed. Well, what would you be thinking? Is that even logical? Because she's come to a point, she has tried every single option possible. She spent all her money, she went to all the doctors, and she's living 12 years of her life. There's nothing she can do. What would you do? What if you had a disease that was uncurable? What if you had something that was so detrimental? Would you spend everything, you spend all your resources to get to the point of, I, I got to I gotta do something. So she heard about this Jesus. What verse is it? She heard about this Jesus. Verse. Let's go back there. Verse. Verse twenty-seven. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind the crowd. So if you're reading the scriptures. You're looking carefully. It's not like she. I don't know how to explain it, but when you're Reading the scripture, it, it sort of just goes through it line by line, but there's more. It's more in depth there. For 12 years, she's walking around the community. She's ill, and then she sees a bunch of people going to a place, and she's, and she asks them, "Hey, what's going on? What's where are everyone gathering? Oh, this guy who's been healing people. He's he's going over there, and she says, "Wait, what? I want I want to get healed." And, and whoever she's talking to, she's like, you can't, go, you can't go, go near him. You're unclean. You don't even think about it. All this public shaming. There's a lot of public shaming going on nowadays, isn't there? Because whatever the culture of today is, if you don't do a certain thing, then you seemingly are putting other people at threat. But we're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of heaven. We're Christians. Go beyond that. We're Christ followers. Let's look at the context again, one more time. Verse 21 from Matthew. She said to herself, if I can only touch his garment, I will be saved. Let's try to answer that question. The significance of her bleeding, and the author is the reason why they put that in there, Because God wants to be glorified. God has put her for this very reason to heal her publicly. The significance is she's unclean just like we're unclean. Internally, we are filthy. Are we not? Amen? There's a significance there. And she's doing whatever it takes. Are we doing whatever it takes to get to Jesus, to get clean before God? I mean, I look at my kids and I, and I say, wow, I'll do anything for them. Do you find yourself saying that, wow, I'll do anything for them? Or I don't know, if you don't have kids, uh, I'll do whatever it takes to graduate. I'll do whatever it takes to get an education. I'll do whatever it takes for my significant other. I'll do whatever it takes. This line, whatever it takes. Have you guys ever said that? I'll do whatever it takes. Are we doing whatever it takes to get right with God? I'm guilty of that. I say that sometimes. I'll I I do anything for my children. This woman was so determined. If I could just touch his garment, I don't have to be unclean anymore. I don't have to be outcasted anymore. But what happens? She touches the garment, and power was released. Immediately, a 12-year-old problem done immediately so whatever you're dealing with for all of these years of guilt or how i don't know how long whatever you're dealing with the sin in your life god will instantly take care of that how does she do it let's look let's look at more context what is the connection between jesus and the hem of his garment what's so important there what's the context there if you look at numbers 15 37 to 41 and deuteronomy 22 and 12 i don't know if it's up there slides 10 11 and 12. I'm kind of skipping through. Sorry, brother. So it talks about the fringe, the tassels, the edge of his cloak, the hem of his garment. And this is in Numbers. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout generations to come, you must take the tassels from the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. Keep going. When you see the tassels, you remember and obey all the commandments of the Lord. I'll read it again. When you see the tassels, you remember and obey all the commands of the Lord. Instead of following your own desires and defiling yourself or sinning against yourself with your body as you're prone to do. Verse 40 or that's it. Verse 39. So it's a reminder of the word of God. That's it. That's the connection. The hem of his garment. That's the connection. Do you guys see it? Go to Deuteronomy twenty-two, twelve. 12. I think it's up there. You must put four tassels on the hem of your cloak with which you cover yourself on the front and back sides. This is to remind yourself and the people around them, if you're trying to put yourself in that context, God is taking me out of Egypt, out of slavery. Now, the Ten Commandments, these are, these are a reminder of God's goodness, God's word, God's instruction. That we're set apart. That we're different. That we're not like all the other people out there. God's chosen people. These fringes, these tassels, the edge of his cloak, the hem of his garment. The translation there is a piece of cloth. You guys see it? Jesus Christ is the living word of God. And she grasps his clothing which represents the word of God. So when you're combining both the living word and the literal word, power is released. Amen? You follow that? If I can only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus didn't heal her. She says, your faith has healed you. The kind of faith that releases power when you combine the living word with the literal word of God in your life something miraculous happens to you. You are made clean before God. Amen? So I was looking up this, what this, this good translation is that says touch. And they get different translations in it. And it says grab a hold of, it says grasp. Go to verse slides 13, 14, 15. And clung onto or clutch. This is the thing I do with my kids. Um, I don't know if they remember. I don't hope they remember when they get older. It's uh, I, because they're getting older and older, and parents, uh, maybe you can attest to this. They grow so fast, right? Uh, one day they're just crying infants, and you can't sleep all night. And and they get older, and they get they get older quick. So it's almost like you're holding sand, and you're trying to contain the sand it goes through your hands right and you can't contain sand because eventually it's all gonna uh dissipate or you're trying to contain water and water is just gonna so i'm trying to grasp their childhood I'm trying to um i always tell them don't grow up just stay as you are just stay baby forever but you know they're like oh dad you're silly we're gonna grow up anyways um and so what i do with them is I, i grab their face just like, I don't know, I try to prank my kids sometimes and I don't know, I just grab their face and squish their face. I'm trying to cling on to their childhood because they're growing so fast and I want to cling on to them. I want to cling on to the innocence as much as possible, but they're going to get older and older. That's the only tradition I want to give you because I'm trying to hold on to something valuable. I'm trying to hold on to something that's precious to me. This woman was trying to grasp all of her being because she knows that if she can just touch the hem of his garment, she will be healed. How can we apply that in our lives? How can we grab onto the living Jesus and the literal word to apply it to our lives? Are we doing whatever it takes? That convicted me. Where are my priorities at? Go to slide 14. Mark, let's go um, and read Mark chapter 5, verses 30 to 34. I'm kind of going ahead. Sorry, brother. So, let's continue with the story. And once Jesus realized that power has gone from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? Isn't that kind of comical? There were so many people around him, and Peter's like, what are you talking about, G? There's people around you. They're like trying to grab you. They're trying to... Because if you read the lots of Gospels, it's talking about crowds all the time. He had to get into a boat because there's so many people. But when this synagogue official said, hey, dude, my, daughter is, my daughter is sick, you know, and and, and, and um, uh, symmetrically what the gospel is saying that also that 12-year-old was old, uh, that daughter was 12 years old. So there was intentional healing, healing power release and unintentional power release. If you look at the Gospels, so... That guy whose was, daughter was sick, she was 12 years old. The woman who was bleeding, been bleeding for 12 years. I, I just, that's like interesting what I wanted to put in there. But he was crowded, and Jesus is saying, Who's, who's touching me? And Peter's like, Man, man, bro, there's people around you. Just, what are you talking about? This guy, me, who? No, there's power that came out. Somebody touched me. Isn't it kind of odd? God, the most powerful, doesn't know who touched him? Is it because he is his human deity? He didn't know? He's like, oh, man, who touched me? I don't know. Was he really saying that because he didn't really know? Of course he knew. He's Jesus, right? Why did he ask it then? Verse 32. Jesus kept looking around who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened, came up and said, and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. So why was she trembling with fear and told him the truth? Because she know that it's known in the community that she's unclean and she just touched Jesus and made him unclean. So it's unlawful criminal actions. It can be considered as assault. He assaulted Jesus and everyone knew this person. Um, And she... It took courage to say in front of the entire crowd, like, it was me, Jesus, the unclean one. I touched you. They were getting ready to stone her. You touched our precious Jesus. But she could have said nothing, honestly. She could have just said, all right, I got my healing, and I'm peacing out. I'm good. I don't got to confess. Jesus, you, you know, but, but she did something. Don't miss it. She confessed. She confessed before everybody. Why? It means she felt it in her body. Her body was healed. Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. In other translations, it says, you have been made whole. You are now complete. Your healing is now complete. You now have a relationship with me. The person I don't know, daughter, you are of me. You are of my family now. Now I know you. You are of my family. You confessed. Confession completes the healing. Confession breaks the sin that's so entangled in our lives. What does the Bible say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will do it if you confess. Amen? There is healing in the confession. There is so much power in the confession. So your brethren, to your brethren, to Jesus, you will be freed from the bondage that is sin that's entangling us. From causing us to just be unclean before the Lord. Let's confess to each other, to our Lord. To make our healing complete. We want Jesus to say, son, daughter, your faith has healed you. He's confirming your faith is genuine. That's why you're healed. Your faith is genuine towards me. Your love, I confirm, daughter, your love for me is genuine. I see you. In other translations, your faith has healed you. A few chapters before that, Luke chapter 7 verse 50. When the woman was crying at Jesus' feet with the alabaster box and breaks it, if you read the scripture, it says, why are you having a with this woman? She is a prostitute. And Jesus says, he who loves much is forgiven much. Amen? And he says to her, your sins are forgiven. And he says to her again, to so a different woman, your faith has saved you. Save you from yourself, from the sin of the consequences that are happening in your life. Let's repent. Turn to Jesus. Touch the hem of his garment. Are we ready for that? Jesus knew. He knows. He wants you to confess to him. Confess your sins to him. Make it right with God. And we just read scripture earlier during worship. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 to 13. Why would, why would Jesus ask who touched me? A 2 reason. Jesus was determined to see that God was glorified publicly. Because she didn't have to say anything. But she told the whole truth in front of everybody. And Jesus says, you are of me now. And you are healed because of your faith. Because of your confession. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 13. Verse, slide 15. Actually, I don't have it here, so it has to be up here. We confess with our mouth and believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord. We will be saved if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will be saved. There is a there is something there that we have to do voluntarily. When Jesus said, "Who touched me?" He is inviting you to confess. Verse nine. <clears throat> Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. Justified. No longer have that penalty of sin upon you. You are justified. And with the mouth, one confesses is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Next verse. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Your faith has made you whole. There is an emptiness inside of us that only God can fill. When God created Adam and Eve, and yet they filled it with sin, they went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they ate from it. And they filled that emptiness with sin. It's really meant for God. True fulfillment only God can fill.